Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. How many are in need of a real breakthrough in their lives? Amen? Well, I don't know about you, but I am in desperate need of, a, of an amazing breakthrough. So I'm right there with you. So I believe that this morning is going to inspire that and kind of give you some principles so that you can attain the breakthrough that God maybe wants you to have. How many know that God has certain promises in your life, but they do not come easily? If you live past eight years old, you find out really, really quick that... Um, Life is not easy. Not, life is not a tiptoe through the tulips. And although we have many promises over our lives and God wants us to reach certain destinations in our lives, oftentimes we experience opposition. How many know there's a real enemy at work in this world? It's hard to turn on the news, Channel 9, Fox 35, and all these different news outlets without quickly finding out that we are in turmoil as a nation, that we have a lot of things going on in our nation. You know, and I can't help but think how, how much the enemy is at work in the nations of the world, not just the United States of America, but all across the globe. When I think about my culture, I'm, 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 I'm pretty young. I won't tell you my age if you don't know my age, but, but I have been around a little bit. And I've seen my culture, my peers, we're living in a real godless generation. Immorality is at an all-time high where holy living is not as popular as it used to be back in the 90s. Amen? Come on, how many can testify to that? People are in droves who are either, you know, together who are unmarried or they have no consciousness or conviction when they go from one person to the other. We live outside of God's will, outside of his best for our lives. And I have to say that more and more that I am out there and in the trenches and living for God and I get the opportunity to go in different environments, I can't help but see the enemy at work. There, I, I have a message this morning. If you haven't been here the past few weeks, um, I've been ministering from this subject called The Sound of Awakening. Everybody say, The Sound of Awakening. And each message, and there's been about three, I believe this is the fourth one, it's an exciting message for me, they're all exciting messages for me, but this one in particular, and I'll get to that in just a moment, uh, but there is a sound of awakening that is happening in the body of Christ. I don't know if you can hear it and resonate it, if you're anywhere in the spirit of what God is doing, there is amazing darkness that is covering earth, the earth, but at the same time, this little light of mine yep. is shining brightly. I have great hope for where the church is going as a whole, not just Ascension Christian Center, but churches all across the globe. I have great hope for you and your families and what God is planning to do. We have to just simply get in his plan. Look at somebody and say, and nudge them a little bit with conviction, especially if they're sloping or acting like they're going to fall asleep and say, get in his plan, get in position. There's a, a scripture I want to read to you. It'll be up on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, I certainly recommend that you bring your Bibles to church if, if you don't have it with you. But it's found in Corinthians, and I want you to read along uh, with me. It's found in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. 
I'm going to read from the New King James Version. It's one of my favorite versions to read. It's just, just me. If you have the Message Bible, I think that's really neat too. As a matter of fact, I would like to read it from the Message uh, Version as well. It's a little longer, but here's the, here's the, here's the main scripture I want to point out to you. And it, and it says this, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Everybody say, many adversaries. In the Message Bible, it says this, and it's actually verse 5 through 9, and I want, you to, I want you to listen closely. It says this, and this is the Apostle Paul talking about all these great plans that God has for him. He had recently just got knocked off of his horse, and he's seen a great light. He was a persecutor of Christians. He was a murderer of Christians. So if you have sin in your life, I just want to park there just for one minute, and you think you have sin in your life, and you think that you're too unclean for God to use, did you know that the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament was a murderer of Christians? And so he says this. He says, I plan to visit you after passing through northern Greece. I won't be staying there long, but maybe I can stay a while with you. Maybe even spend the winter. This is the message version, if it sounds a little different. It's a very plain English. And he says this, then you could give me a good second off whenever I may be headed next. I don't want to just drop in between other primary destinations. I want a good, long, leisurely visit. If the master agrees, he's talking about God. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. He says, we'll have it. For in the present, I'm staying here in Ephesus, hence Ephesians. A huge door of opportunity for good work has opened up to me here. But there's also mushrooming, everybody say mushrooming, opposition. I want to entitle this message, Warfare. Everybody say warfare. So the series is called The Sound of Awakening, but the subtitle of this message is Warfare. One of the sounds in my mind, in my, in my heart, is the sound of a church and of a people of God getting ready, putting, up, putting on their armor and swords clinging and armor chanking in the church, readying for what God has next. Because truth be told, God has so many great plans for your own personal lives and for this church, but unless we ready ourselves for warfare, ready ourselves for the onslaughts of the enemy, we will not get to that destination. The children of Israel would have never entered into the promised land had they not readied themselves up with the armor of God. And so this morning, I want to talk about warfare. Everybody say warfare. And as a child of God, you have to expect resistance when God has called you to something. The reason I get you guys to repeat things like resistance, and I want you to repeat that, say resistance, is because I want to keep you awake and I want, it's for memorization as well. So if you want to know my tactics, there it is. As a child of God, when God calls you to something, you have to expect resistance and pushback from the enemy. If you're trying to over, overcome an addiction, do not think for one second that the enemy is not going to send an onslaught of temptations your way. If you struggle with immorality, don't you think for one second when you're alone with that computer that you're gonna be, not going to be bombarded with thoughts from the enemy to get you to slip into sin? If you struggle with your mouth, hello, ladies. If you struggle taming your tongue, the enemy will see to it that you meet people who are very, very difficult to get along with so that you wound them with your tongue. 
Whatever your stuff is, the enemy will see to it to set up circumstances and situations to get you to keep falling habitually into certain sins because he does not want you to have the victory in your life. When you're attempting to do something great for God and God has a promised land waiting for you, he has something waiting ahead of you in the next season or just right around the corner, the intensity it intensifies, the heat intensifies, the opposition intensifies. Why? Because the enemy begins to shake his head and his tail the closer you are to what God has for you. I'm not hearing anybody say anything. And do not ever think that because, because God has called me, this should be easy. Because as a matter of fact, when God does call you to do it, he has to tell you that he's going to do it just to keep you encouraged because he knows that there's going to come a time when you come into the heat of the battle and there's going to be temptation to give up on the very thing that God said that he wants to do in your life. And the devil, he is not concerned about you starting something for God, people. Let me just tell you that right offhand. He's concerned, he's, he's concerned about setting up and opposing you so that you do not finish or complete what God put in your heart to do and to go after. By the lack of response, I'm wondering if there are people in here who are on the brink of breakthrough and who are feeling tired and weary and they're feeling the onslaughts of the enemy and maybe even tempted to give up on the very thing that God has called them to go after. Is there anybody in this room that I'm preaching to this Sunday morning? And oftentimes the enemy will frustrate you. He will speak negatively to you. He will, he will speak doubt. He will get fear into your heart to simply get you to abort that very thing that God has promised you in your life. And his main job is to create that environment to get you to give up, to give up on that marriage, to give up at that job, to give up on that career, to give up on that promise that God has put in your heart for you to fulfill in the earth. Because each and every one of us were put into the earth for a specific design, purpose, and a plan that God has. And the enemy's job is to set up situations, barricades to get you to get frustrated and to give up prematurely so that you do not reach the destination. Somebody say, I'm not going to give up. I am not going to give up. Listen, if he doesn't attack your body, he's going to attack your mind. If he doesn't attack your body, he's going to go after your finances. If he's not going to go after your finances, he's going after your job, or he might go after your career, or he might go after your destiny or the purpose that God called you to. Maybe it's a ministry opportunity. Maybe there's a ministry in your heart, something that God called you to do that the enemy's fighting you on. Maybe he's going to go after your faith in God, get you to mistrust God so that you miss God because faith actually is the very seed that brings that thing to pass. And so the enemy will attack your faith, get you to mistrust God so that you miss the blessing. And if he can't get to you, he'll go after your spouse. If he can't get the spouse, he goes after the kids. Come on, somebody help me preach this thing. Does anybody know that there is a devil awaiting you? The Bible says in Matt, I'm sorry, uh, Peter, first Peter, is it second Peter, first Peter uh, chapter five, verse eight, your enemy, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he's looking for opportunities to trip you up. He's looking for opportunities to win the battle. And you might say, well, if God really wants it to come to pass, why doesn't it come to pass? Listen, the, the fact that you have opposition is, the very, is a very key or an indicator that God wants it to come to pass because he wouldn't fight you that hard had you not have something special and purpose for you. 
When he puts thoughts of doubt in your head and says, you're not going to get here. You're never going to be married or you're always going to be unhappy. You're never going to overcome this depression. You're never going to overcome this health issue. That is a very indicator because the, the, the Bible says that he is the enemy. Um, excuse me. He is the father of lies. And the truth is not in him. So the very fact when the enemy speaks lies should be an indicator to you that that is actually what God promised and that he's going to fulfill it Amen. in your life. And I, and I love this scripture. It's found in James 4. Is everybody awake this morning? Yeah. And it says this in James uh, chapter 4, verse 7. It says, therefore, submit to God. Everybody say, submit to God. Submit to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. If you experience resistance, you must keep moving forward. Somebody say, fight forward. You have to continue to resist the enemy because eventually he gives up. That's what this scripture is saying. When the enemy continues to oppose you, you don't relinquish. You don't, you don't, you don't draw back. You keep moving forward. And eventually, as you continue to submit to God and resist the devil, ultimately the devil will flee. Look at somebody and say, don't give up. Don't stop. And after you pass the test of the enemy's resistance, you head to the next, you head to the next spiritual place, and that's the dressing room, I call, the spiritual dressing room. Look at somebody and say, dress for battle. Dress for battle. Been thinking about where we are as a church. And if you're not careful in the natural, and you don't see the amount of people being affected, you can get frustrated. I'm preaching to myself. If you look at your situation for too long and things are not changing, things can get frustrating. If you're sick in your body for a certain amount of time and you don't see evidence of physical healing, do you know that Joseph was sown in a pit for 13 years and didn't see the promises of God and he held on to that promise for 13 years? Abraham held on until he was almost 100 years old before he had a child. Sometimes big promises take a whole lot of time. But if you hold on long enough and you keep the faith long enough, look at somebody and say, keep the faith, and you don't let up, you will see that very thing that God has promised you come to pass in your life. I'm talking about the promises of God. And so what I mean by getting into the spiritual dressing room, there is a time and a season in your life where you don't just pray little cute prayers and say, God, I thank you. I'm, I'm, the promises are going to come to pass. Because you have to know when God says something and speaks something in your heart, angels are assigned to you to help carry out that very thing. Did you know that? Angels and the Holy Spirit is there to assist, to help that thing come to pass, to help bring it to pass, to help assist you. But at the same time, demons are assigned to keep that thing from coming to pass. So we're in a spiritual war. Somebody say, I'm in a spiritual war. And so it's surprising to me how many Christians get into battle. They don't even realize it. When they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they don't realize it, but they step literally onto a battlefield. And it's so surprising to me how many church people, I call them, <laughs> Church people, somebody say church people. How many church people get onto the battlefield and do not have one single piece of armor on? I'm preaching real good. They don't have one piece of armor on. You know, I would, I would like to think, well, I'll just say it like this. 
most people do not live as if there's an enemy. Most people's spiritual lives do not consist of a posture of where they understand there's a real enemy at work. An enemy who hates you, an enemy who wants to destroy you, he wants to destroy your marriage, he wants to destroy your finances, he wants to destroy your health, he wants you to fall short of God's glory. He wants you to stumble in sin. He wants you to fear God. He wants you to doubt God. He doesn't want, to, want you to have a loving connection nor a relationship with God. He is the opposer in your life. And most people live in a posture as if he doesn't exist. And I, I wouldn't like to think, but I can almost guess that most people this week have not given one thought to the fact that there is an enemy who's after you. Somebody say, there's an enemy. There is an enemy. And if you are not properly dressed with the armor of God, you will not be ready to, to endure the onslaughts of the enemy. Now, I'm not a demon preacher. Let me just say that. If you're a first, if you're a first time visitor here and I'm preaching like this, this is not, usually my messages are not in, injected with this, but I have to sometimes address these certain issues because when I see people going through certain issues and patterns in their lives, you have to understand that there is an enemy at work that does not want you to reach the destination that God has for you. That's why I'm preaching this way. In Ephesians, uh, 6 verse 10 says this, a little bit of a lengthy uh, verse um, of scripture. It's, it's about eight verses, but I, I, want, I want you to read it with me. It'll be up on the screen. Everybody okay? And it says this, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Look at somebody and say, put on the armor. That you may be able to stand it against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I want spouses to look at each other and say, I know this fight's not against you. <laughs> we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand or endure in this evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, and having gird your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to withstand or quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Let me first address this thing if I haven't established it already. We, you, me, we are in a spiritual battle. Amen? That battle is not against your boss. It's not against your spouse. It's not against your coworkers. It's not a United States thing. It's not a black and white thing. It's not a race thing. It's not a church thing. It's not a denominational thing. It's not a health thing or an addiction thing. We are in a spiritual battle with something in the heavenlies that wants to get you to stop short of what God has for you. Amen. And I want, to, I, want to talk, I want to adequately talk about the armor here. It mentioned the belt of truth. As I studied this, um, if you look at the actual armor in the Old and the New Testament on how Romans were dressed, the belt was the main uh, piece of the armor that actually held up the rest of it. It actually, it braced the breastplate plate up. It held everything else together. If the, if the belt fell off, the whole armor would begin to fall off of your body. 
I, I know this, the reason I'm kind of giggling is because when I was in high school, this is kind of funny, but not really funny. A good friend of mine got into a squabble with uh, some other guys that, that didn't care for him too much when we got off the bus one time. And this kid that I knew, he was a fighter. His name was Eric. Really good friend of mine, sweet kid, and they kept picking on him and picking on him. But if you mess with Eric and he, you know, he came out of his skin, look out. He was about six foot two and he was in like the seventh grade. And so Eric gets off the bus and he wants to, you know, put it to these to this kid who'd been picking on him. So he gets off the bus. The problem is, is Eric always wore baggy clothes. And so Eric, Eric didn't have a belt. And so during this fight, Eric's kind of getting into it. He's hurting this kid. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is back in unsaved days. I'm like, get him, Eric. But the problem is, is Eric's pants went around his waist and he lost the fight because he couldn't fight because he didn't have the belt. And so when I think about the, the criticalness of having the belt on, it has, to do with, it has to do with everything. You would think that a belt has, has little to do with winning a fight, but actually truth means everything. A lot of people think that truth is just irrelevant these days. It's based on your experience or my experience or her experience. The truth of God's word is important to wear around your waist, girdled around your waist, because it has everything to do with you either uh, finding victory in your life or incurring defeat in your life. Somebody say the belt of truth. Meaning your, wor your world and your life must be based on the written word of God. There is no other truth. Right. Amen? Amen? And if you decide to gird your waist with anything less than the word of God, you will lose the battle of life in one way or another. Some, it may um, mean eternity, or some, it may mean on this side of heaven. Number two, it talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Somebody say the breastplate. When he describes the breastplate, the way that my mind's eye or my holy imagination sees it is that is the piece of armor that protects your heart because the enemy will use oftentimes close relationships and friendships or even spouses at times to inflict your heart and cause you to be offended at them. And as a person of God, as a child of God, you must wear the breastplate of righteousness to guard your heart, the Bible says, with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. The breastplate of righteousness is to protect the heart, amen, from the world's wounding, amen? As people of God, we must be unoffendable people, amen, unoffendable. Nudge somebody and say, be unoffendable. My pastor for over a decade, um, he is a warfare guy at his best. His, his name is Pastor Guy Ionello. I served under him for, for over a decade from the age of, I think I was 17 or so, all the way up to about 25. And he would always say to me, super spiritual, love him. I love you if you're listening. And he says, um, you can't offend a dead man. And I never really got that. What he really meant was, is when you die to your flesh and you die to self, you become unoffendable. And if you are an easily offendable person, the enemy will always set up strategies for people who you love and you care about to offend your heart. Because they know if they can, the enemy knows if he can use specific people to offend your heart, it can breach your connection with God. The breastplate of righteousness protects the heart. Now let's talk about the sandals of the gospel of peace. Is everybody enjoying this? The sandals of the gospel of peace. This is the armor. 
The sandals of the gospel of peace, they're, they're, they, they look like sandals. If, if, if you've seen the way that the sandals are, it enables you from moving backwards. There's a large brace on the back of the Roman sandals. They're only designed to move forward. That's pretty neat, just a little nugget there. The reason for the sandals of the gospel of peace is because you need to have them put on each and every day of your life, asking the Lord, Lord, I put on the sandals of the gospel of peace because the enemy is always setting up strategy and situations to rob you of your peace. He wants you to go in your workplace and be robbed of your peace and not enjoy what you do from nine to five. Believe that. He will set up strategy. So it's always important to put this piece of armor on because this ensures your peace of mind as you enjoy your relationship with God. How many know that it's God doesn't want you here just to survive? He wants you to thrive. If you're going to do something, do it with joy. If you're going to do something, don't allow the enemy to rob you of your peace. Put on the sandals of the gospel of peace so that you can actually enjoy life. Amen? The, uh, the shield of faith. This is one of the most important pieces of the armor, and there's two more after that. But the shield of faith, it talks about so that you might be able to quench every fiery dart from the wicked one. The shield of faith is your belief in God, and that is actually what shields you from all the fiery darts from the wicked one. So how you believe, how you... I'm not talking about coming to church, because there's a lot of people who come to church who don't really believe God. I'll prove it to you. There is plenty of people that I sit with, even on a weekly basis, who love Jesus and who come to church, but who do not believe that God will provide for them financially. Come on. Preach it, good preacher. There are people who say they love God. We read the scriptures, but your faith in God has everything to do with your experience with God. Amen. How you believe him, how you perceive him. And so the fiery darts I'm talking about is when, you, when your, your bills are due and you don't know where it's going to come from, the shield of faith says, mm, I know the Lord will provide it for me because the word says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I know God will provide for me. But if you don't have the shield of faith, you begin to wonder, if God really loved me, that's that fiery dart, why won't he provide for me? The shield of faith protects your mind from these type of onslaughts in your life and in your relationship with Christ. Somebody say the shield of faith. And there's a whole gamut of things I can bring up. There's, there's dysfunction in, in relationships. There's, there's bosses who give us issues and problems. I'm talking about the shield of faith to protect you from those fiery darts, to keep you trusting God and believing God in the midst of major warfare coming at you from all sides. The helmet of salvation. This protects the mind. I love what Joyce Myers, Myers said, and I'm not endorsing Joyce Myers per se, but I do personally love her and appreciate her ministry. Uh, so don't go saying a pastor, you know, whatever about Joyce Myers. I'm just simply stating a book that she wrote uh, and it, it's called uh, The Battlefield of the Mind. And that is truly where the battlefield lies. It's in the mind. Everybody say the mind. So it's extremely critical that you put on this piece of armor, because if you don't, you will not be able to withstand the onslaught, onslaughts in your mind, because that's where really where the battle starts. Am I the only one in the room? Because you're kind of looking at me a little funny. Am I the only one who gets onslaughts of dumb imaginations and imaginations that come from just anywhere and everywhere? Well, this is Satan's Satan's work. He always wants to infiltrate the mind. And if you're being bombarded in your mind, it's a sign that you are not adequately putting on the helmet of salvation that protects the mind from the onslaughts 
of these type of things that the enemy's throwing in your mind. Somebody say, put on the helmet. Put on the helmet, the helmet of salvation. Amen. And lastly, the sword of the spirit, and then I'm done. This is the only opposing weapon. How many know what the sword of the spirit is? Well, it's revealed here in verse, um, it's in one of the last verses. It says, and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you have your Bible, hold it up. This is your sword. If you have your phone, hold it up. This is your sword. This is the opposing, opposing weapon. In, in Matthew chapter 4, when, and when Jesus is in the wilderness, he did not just say positive confessions that he found on YouTube somewhere. He used the word of God to fight back against the devil. He would use phrases like this. It is written. Somebody say, it is written. So anytime something in your life comes in with vengeance or you know it's a spiritual fight, you don't just start saying what you want to say. You don't say what you say. You always say, thus saith the Lord, or it is written. This is why it's critical. This is why I have us reading together as a church. This is why I'm creating this Bible challenge, because if you know the word of God yourself, when the enemy opposes, you'll have a scripture reference to fight him with the sword. And this is how we develop the sword of the spirit. And most people have swords. They're just not very sharpened. Well, when you read the word of God, it sharpens the sword so that you can gain victory in your life. Amen? Hallelujah. Number three, fight back. Somebody look at, look at somebody and say, fight back. I love what it says here in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I want you to listen here at the tenacity. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's my holy imagination here. I want you to listen to the tenacity of what he's saying, fight the good fight of faith. I, I doubt that Timothy, Timothy was just saying passively, you know, fight the good fight of faith. Because Christianity is no walk in the park. Come on, can, I, can somebody talk to me? Christ, I said, Christianity, your walk with the Lord is no walk in the park. As a matter of fact, it's tumultuous at times. And oftentimes, things get vicious in the enemy. The enemy comes against you on all sides, through friends, through relationships, through your finances, through a sickness in your body. He comes through on every side to get you discouraged, to throw you off balance in your relationship with the Lord. And the last thing you need to do when you are going through a spiritual battle is to sit back and let the enemy wail on you. Somebody say fight back. back. How do we fight back? Very simple. Prayer, reading God's word, spending time with other Christians, other believers to help you be encouraged when you're going through hard times, when you can't when you haven't found a prayer to pray for yourself, get around some other believers who can pray for you, who can lay their hands on you, who can cover your family, who can pray for you as you're having a baby or going through you as you're battling cancer or praying for you when you're going through a time with your, your daughter or your son who's wayward or who the enemy's battling with and defeating. Somebody say, fight back. When the enemy is coming against you, don't wait for him to let up off of you fight back. Say fight back. You have to fight back. God's not raising up wimps in this hour. He's not raising up wimps. He's raising up an army. The Bible calls him the God of angel armies. The Jesus who came in the New Testament is, a, is the same Jesus coming 
in the book of Revelation as it, as it describes him coming when he puts his foot down in the Kidron Valley. But let me tell you something, same Jesus, but different attitude. He's going to have a different attitude. The Bible says this time he's not coming with a reed in his hand that's not broken. He's coming with a sword in his hand. He's coming on a white horse. He's coming to divide good from evil. He's coming to destroy the works of darkness. He's coming to wipe away every tear from our eye, the Bible says. He's coming for vengeance on the powers of darkness that have wreaked havoc on our families, on our finances, on our destinies, on the purpose that he's called us to. And if you guys believe that, I wish somebody would say something in this house. He's not coming as a passive savior this time. And he is right now raising up end time warriors to fight the good fight of faith. What are you fighting in your life right now that's worth fighting for? Or what are you, let me ask you this, what are you backing up against that God is asking you to stand up and fight? What battle are you asking God to fight when he's asking you to stand up and fight for him? Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. What opposition are you facing right now that you pray that God delivers you from that he's actually trying to train you from? Y'all ain't saying nothing. God is raising up end time warriors. What tool is God allowing the enemy to use against you to train you as an end time warrior? Isn't it funny how prayer, like you want to know how my prayer life started? It wasn't because I just got a, got a spirit of intercession. It just fell on me overnight. It came through hell and high water. It came through opposition. It came through people rejecting me. It came through people talking about me. It came through hard circumstances that drove me to my knees and forced me to pray. That, that's what makes end time warriors is hardship, trials, pain. Our faith doesn't grow in ease, comfort, and pleasure. Our faith grows oftentimes, and a fight comes out of us oftentimes in the midst of hardship when everything is coming against us, and we feel like we can't pray another prayer, or we can't take another step. And it's in those moments right there that God begins to send angels to assist you, that he begins to fill you with the Holy Spirit and puts another fight in you, and get you to stand up again and believe again. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, I was thinking this just... Um, this morning, even last night, I was, I was thinking if, you, if we fully, if we fully understood who we had backing us, do, do you know in your situation right now, you, you have angelic hosts that are waiting to be assigned by you. Did, did you know that? Look at somebody and say, did you know you have angels waiting on you? Waiting on your command, waiting on, because God, when, when he puts someone in the earth, you are assigned with assistance, assistance. Somebody say assistance, assistance to carry out God's perfect plan for your life. That time you should have died, you didn't because God had an angel looking out for you. That time when you should have turned left and you turned right instead, God had an angel assisting you and protecting you. When certain things should have happened to you, and they didn't happen to you. God had an angel of the Lord. All throughout the Bible, angels appeared. And I'm just kind of getting into this even myself because I've always relied strictly on Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God. But I, I'm telling you, certain things that have happened in my life, I remember I was driving 70 miles an hour and I hit a tree head on. And I remember in that moment on a motorcycle 
and I hit a tree and I remember this deep peace over me. And it was as if it sounds crazy, as if, as if something grabbed my shoulders and just laid me down. And when I should have had broken and fragmented leg, uh, it, it was just, I had this huge wound and cut and, and I believe that God saved me. I remember when I was 12 years old, I stepped out in front of an ice cream man, wasn't watching where I was going and lights went out. The, 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 the car hit me so hard. All I seen was black. The car hit me so hard that one shoe went in one neighbor's yard, and this was a two-way road, and one shoe was in a completely different yard. What, what protected Donnie Smith? What kept me from aborting my destiny early? I believe it was an angel of the Lord. There are angels that are assigned to our life to protect us, to see to it that God gets his will done through your life. And they are at your command if you would use them. Somebody say, use your angel. Look at somebody else and say, put your angel to work. My God. And I close with this. After you, after you have endured, everybody enjoying this? After you have endured the resistance, after you've dressed for battle, and after you have fought back, then it's time to possess the land. I have thought about where we have been as a church, and I can only assume that when God deals with me on something, he's some, at some point within the next week or two going to begin to deal with you. My question to you this morning is, what promised land awaits you, but yet you're in the midst of a battle, and you're having a struggle fighting forward and moving forward? I'm, I'm just wondering that. I was thinking about where we are as a church, and, 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 and I just felt the Lord just minister something to my heart and say, Donnie, I want you to fight. I want you to push. I want you to move forward. It doesn't matter. Anybody can give up. Anybody can throw in the towel. But what do you do when it doesn't seem like anything's moving and nothing's happening and you're not going to move forward and God's not going to do it in your life? He's not going to do it in the church. It's what you do at that point that matters the most. And I'm, fir I'm a firm believer that when you push hard, even really when you want to, Lord, I don't know if you're going to do it. We're just going to, you know, whatever. That is the time you need to push. That is the time you need to fight. When you feel like there's no hope in your marriage or you feel like there's no hope in your finances, that is the time to begin to take out your pocketbook and begin to prophesy over that thing and declare over that thing and say, Lord, I thank you that I am blessed to be a blessing. I'm a lender and not a borrower. I'm above only and not beneath. Lord, even though there may not be many people in this church, I was on Friday. I walked through this place. Maybe it was Thursday. I walked through this place and I said, Lord, I see the whole building filled. I see people coming from all over. I see a new building over there, Lord, because this one can't harbor us. I see a move of God happening in the city. I see people free from addictions. I see people in their marriages thriving and, and, and striving. I, th I see people's destinies being awakened in this place. Can't you see it? Can't you see it? Come on, stand to your feet. So after you've done all these things and you have fought the good fight and you have pushed through, something happens when you get to that place. You begin to see the promises of God come to pass because you have paid the price and you have fought the good fight like Paul says. As I close, I want to read this in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 2. It says, Now Jericho was shut up securely, and it was shut up because of the children of Israel. They were wanting to take over. The children of Israel, God's people, were wanting to take over this wicked city that God wanted them to have. And here's what God says to them. None went out, none came in. 
And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand and its king and the mighty men of valor. I want you to listen to that prophetic statement because God is telling Joshua something that had not yet happened. They hadn't possessed the land. They hadn't, got into the, they hadn't gotten to the promised land yet, but yet God is saying, look, I've given it to you. And then Joshua gets all afraid. He's like, you haven't given it to me because I haven't won the fight yet. God is basically giving Joshua a glimpse into his future. God already set it up for you to win. He's just looking for you to engage in battle in partnership with him. Amen? And oftentimes, God will give you a prophetic word in advance to encourage you to keep moving forward. I want you to think about your situation right now, whatever it is you're facing, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to think about this. What are you battling right now? What are you facing that looks like you're not going to get the victory in? What's opposing you? And right now, in your spirit, I just want you to, I want you to see yourself having full victory over that thing. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.